Hello, and welcome back from summer break. We are Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics and politics, and um, school is no longer out. School is back in. Uh, We always talk about how this is the show for where comics and politics meet. And this this comic that we'll be discussing today, this comics anthology, is literally 100% the most on-brand thing that we could ever possibly feature, which is mine, the comics anthology supporting Planned Parenthood. Um, this is a comic collection that celebrates the amazing work of Planned Parenthood and personal empowerment. It includes stories about healthcare, personal experiences, and empowerment done in genres like historical dramas, science fiction, fantasy, superhero, and satirical stories. And then joining me, your host today, Ilana, a.k.a. Ilana Brooklyn. Um, joining us uh, will be having Molly Jackson and Joseph Corallo, to talk about this Kickstarter project, which you should all be backing. Uh, the last day to back it is September 15th. Mine features an impressive roster of roster, haha, of creative talent of over 100 creators. Um, you know, we have major names like Neil Gaiman, Gail Simone, Mag Sasagio, a friend of the show, um, and pretty much everybody awesome who we like to read, both of the current crop of creative talent and also some folks from yesteryear are all really chiming in and contributing amazing work for this project. So I want to thank our guests for joining me. Hi, Molly and Joseph. Hi. So I want to first just actually ask, um, how did this this project come to be? Well, it came to be... um, Joe and I were at a pizza shop just talking about comic mix and projects we wanted to work on, and we came upon the idea of doing a anthology. We didn't know what kind of anthology. We discussed a benefit book, and then and this all started back in 2015, where we've been uh, yeah, discussing. Yeah, December 2015. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've been discussing a project for a really long time that we wanted. We wanted to do a project together. We've known each other for a few years, and really wanted to do a project together. We're both columnists at Comic Mix. And Joe actually has a friend who works for Planned Parenthood. And it's a group, it's a organization that we both wholeheartedly support along with everyone at Plan at uh Comic Mix. This is an organization mm-hmm. that we all support. So Joe, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, so um, Molly and I kicked around a, a few different ideas and some of which we might end up doing later on, but around March of 2016 is when we really, um, got the ball rolling with Planned Parenthood. That's when we first had our first calls with them and started talking and moving up the chain and getting everything ready. And something that strikes some people as odd is that the election this past November actually like grinded this project to a halt. We were going to be ready to go sooner, but what happened is, you know, there was so much that Planned Parenthood has to do now because of this political environment that, you know, we sort of had to step back for a bit, let them collect themselves before we were able to, you know, really move forward. So I know a lot of mm-hmm. people think this is probably a reaction to Trump, but we were planning on doing this uh, before he was even the front runner for the primaries. I love that. I mean, Planned Parenthood has been under attack since long before the election. Um, so 
you guys have definitely been having this in the works for a long time. Makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm sorry, you said you work for Planned Parenthood. Are you on the nonprofit side of things? Or are you a medical professional? Or no, um, I have connections through through Planned Parenthood. I did uh, political campaign work um, for years. Um, I worked on campaigns. I've worked at nonprofits. So I've also, I just know oh, wow. a lot of people in those circles. So, you know, I've, Absolutely. I've done the Iowa yeah. caucuses before. So. <laughs> it seems like you're somebody Brett and I should know. We, um, we both are come out of doing political work. I'm particularly involved in New York politics myself, but, uh, by the way, oh, well, yeah. tomorrow guys, everyone, Go and vote in the New York primary. I think there's also an O primary in Virginia tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. There's probably some other states I, that have off-year elections. The primary is really I, I important. I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you yeah, know, they're I, also um, – yeah. mm-hmm. but, yeah, a lot of municipalities are having primaries around now, you know. And uh, speaking of, you, you know, the, the primaries and voting uh, tomorrow – I actually once got to give a ride to Bill de Blasio somewhere and I was playing the Velvet Underground in my car and uh, he commented on it. He was just like, is that the Velvet Underground? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, you really are a New Yorker. So. Oh, my God, no. He's really sitting next to us. So are his kids. We've totally run into kids at really underground metal shows. Like the de Blasio yeah. kids have good taste in music. Like I, I definitely approve of the musical taste of the family. Often, not always the politics, but often enough, proud New Yorker indeed. That's fabulous. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so um, that's really exciting. I mean, I definitely have seen a great increase in the number of fundraisers that are being done by folks in the arts uh, and in comics in particular for groups that would largely be described as being part of the, quote, resistance um, since the election. And it's definitely become a lot more common uh, you know, right after the election, we saw a lot of artists doing individual things where they would say, hey, I just made this limited print. All the proceeds from this are going to go to, you know, name a progressive organization, usually a really big one. Um, and then they would sort of do it in these one-offs like that. Uh, so what was the um, desire to sort of do the anthology as a different process where you'd have different writers contributing, different artists contributing, and sort of curating it? Well, I think that both of us, both Joe and I, wanted to get a a lot of voices out there. I mean, people picture the classic liberal and they have their one image, but diversity in that message is so important. Having so many different people, voices, perspectives contribute to that, that message just makes it stronger. It just shows, you know, we're all different, but together we're standing in support of this organization. We're all standing together. I mean, there are plenty of guys who who say that, you know, Planned Parenthood does nothing for them, but we have plenty of guys in this organization in this anthology that may mm-hmm. never use the services of Planned Parenthood but recognize its importance. But like that's so crazy because every guy who ever has sex with people who aren't also, guys, well, I guess, no, I mean, anyone who has sex pretty much is benefiting from the services that Planned Parenthood provides. Like, if people are having 
sex with women, regardless of the woman's assigned, you know, at birth gender, they're definitely benefiting from access to, you know, birth control and prophylactics and everything else that Planned Parenthood provides. One thing we've we've noticed from this past election in particular is that people often don't think about what how they benefit, you know, on, on the side, unless they're directly benefiting, unless they're seeing the benefit themselves firsthand, they don't recognize it. There was a, that politician who said, why, do, why are men paying for prenatal care? <laughs> yeah. Well, because you, you want to have a kid, then, yeah, you want to be born. You want to have little but, voters come out and support you? They need to come from somewhere. <laughs> those same guys that, are like, the same. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say those guys are the same guys who feel that they should have a say in what a woman does with her body, though. So, Yes, exactly. And it's also just the point, like, I don't think men understand, like, people didn't used to have sex that much. And that was really shitty. If they'd like to go back to a world where you can't have sex whenever you want, you know, like, that's, that's, that, that's, not, that's not fun. I, they don't realize how much the world shifted with the advent of the birth control pill. Like and when they care about became more accessible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, but you know, I also don't think that the way we talk about it in most spaces makes men see how these things are of their interest. Like, I don't think any guy who needs you to tell them that they need to care about women's health or else they're not deserving of having sex with women is an asshole, but the reality is that's a lot of guys. But, like, even the asshole guys need to understand the only reason girls have sex with you is because they can use condoms and pills. Like, that is why. Like, that's the only reason you get laid. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Um, but, um, <laughs> no, but, yeah, that's, you know, um, we wanted to have a lot of perspectives because of all the different things. Uh, you know, services that Planned Parenthood provides. We also wanted to do a book that had, we wanted to break up the book into historical stories, political stories, uh, stories that directly relate to Planned Parenthood and the services they provide, as well as some like fantastical stories, Uh, you know, a little bit of superhero stuff, a little bit of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, you know, like what was it? Stuart Moore and June Brigman did this awesome three-page story that's a far future story with cats in space that are living on a spaceship, and they have to bring up the Planned Parenthood protocol to figure out how to stop having these litters of kittens. Oh my God! So, everything it, about that. For our <laughs> listeners, just can you just tell them real quickly who June Brigman is, in case they don't know? June Brigman um, co-created. Uh, yeah, co-created uh, Power Pack with Louis Simonson, which is yeah, coming I mean, back in a one-shot. Coming back. Oh, wow, I didn't know uh, that. Power Pack, oh, uh, yeah, Devin Grayson, who is also doing a story with us. Also the And um, mm-hmm. her story is adorable. It's about all these different teens and all sorts of teens from all backgrounds basically saying different kinds of myths about sex and getting that all debunked. So it's, it's hmm. an adorable story. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. How but, did you guys yeah, go about she's bringing back. Yeah. Power Pack, I love it. 
you guys have like just a huge list of names, both for folks who kind of come from superhero comics, but also folks who kind of come from the more like literary world. You have folks who are from the newspaper strip world of comics um, as well. It's really a big gamut of talent. How did you guys go around, go about curating who the contributors would be and getting them to work for, I mean, they must get a lot of, they must get a lot of asks for doing, contributing comics to good causes. You know, like this is, this is a particularly time sensitive and an urgent one, but I'd love to sort of hear how that approach went for you guys as well. Well, and this is where working with comic mix uh, comes into hand. Um, They, I mean, I don't know if anyone knows the comic mix team, but we have an amazing stable of columnists who have been in comics forever, and then uh, Joe and I. So <laughs> we have, you know, Mindy Newell, first woman to write Wonder Woman. We have Martha Thomas's creator of Dakota Norris. We have John Ostrander, you know, who helped create Amanda Waller and Oracle. We have he's a uh, genius. The, I mean, Suicide Squad, like he's just a genius. Absolutely. Not to mention, Mike Gold and Glenn Hellman are the names behind Comic Mix, and they've both been in the industry for years. The amount of people we got, Denny O'Neill. I mean, mm. we we just have to send out a quick email to the, you know, the the columnists, and we had Mike do a lot of the asks of the people at Comic Mix, and so we had big names right from the start. Um, just mm-hmm. within our own house. Uh, yeah, one of the things was... we also. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, sorry. I was just going to say one of the things we had done was, you know, try to do some of the bigger ass early on. Like um, we were able to lock in Neil Gaiman really early, and it was really easy to make ass to certain people by being like, "Well, this is legitimate because Planned <laughs> Parenthood and Neil Gaiman." And, and yeah, and both Molly and, and myself have a, a whole network of comic creators that we know or kind of know from just being in the scene for years. So, you know, that's why we were able to get some of these names. Like Mags is a friend. I absolutely adore Mags. I made mm-hmm. sure I asked her very early on. Um, she's going to be doing a story with uh, Brian Talbot. And uh, for people who aren't familiar with Brian Talbot, he is an Eisner award-winning artist who's worked on Sandman. And on top of that, he's also uh, done stuff like the tale of one bad rat, which I highly recommend Mm. to people. It's a very dark, you, you know, it's, it's a very dark personal type story about a young girl running away from home um, that dark horse put out years ago, but, it's absolutely incredible. And, um, yeah, Brian Talbot, like, he was someone that Mike Gold was able to help us uh, coordinate with. And I really thought that Mags as an Eisner nominee should be working with more Eisner talent, so I wanted to make sure that would happen. Um, I love it. Y- you know, yeah, and- <laughs> I mean, you guys, played, you guys played Matchmaker a lot between the artists and the writers? Yes. That sounds like a blast. Well, yeah, there were some that I was really, really happy with. Um, 
you know, it took a while, and uh, we all sort of agreed um, to present Neil with Mark Wheatley, and that worked out. Um, they had actually never worked on a comic together before, and Neil has wanted to work with him for decades. So, you, you know, like doing little things like that was really fun. Um, I was able to pair uh, Lila Sergis with uh, Speed Monster from the Beyond anthologies, and that's that was incredible. I'm so happy with that and seeing what they're yeah, doing together. Yeah, totally. Jody Hauser um, from Valiant, pairing her with mm-hmm. Sean Von Gorman, who was behind Toe Tag Riot. Uh, Sean's oh, been a, cool. as a friend of both of ours, and we just think they'll be a great pairing. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. They both are like actually understand young people stuff really well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, no, Sean's, but... still, Sean's a big kid. He's not really an adult. <laughs> One of the other ones that we were. Hmm? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, sorry. Well, one of the other ones that I'm particularly proud of was pairing Louise Simonson with Tommy Lee Edwards because they're oh. both big fans of each other. And um, knowing that they're fans of each other, you know, it, it was an after the fact sort of thing. We didn't realize that they were. Yeah, Louis Simon you know, is like of one of the best X-Men writers, like Marvel stable of creators that has ever been. And um, I just forgot his name, but he does the art for Mother Panic, which is really good. Tommy Lee Edwards, right? Yeah, Tommy Lee Edwards. Yeah, no, he's, he's yep. incredible. And, and Louise Simonson, like as much as I adore Chris Claremont, and I think he did incredible things, like reading some of those X-Factor issues that Louise did – with Walt doing the art and the characterization Mm -hmm. and like dealing with like the young X characters, like, you know, boom, boom and Richter and all of that. Like she handled all of that so well. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It seems like you have a lot of, I know Gerard way is on board, right? You guys have a lot of folks who have done a lot of work um, featuring young characters. I mean, comics often do in general, but it does seem to be a sort of through line through some of the artists who I can think of that you've mentioned so far. But yeah, those are yeah, really he's great. Be with, he's going to be with Becky Cloonan again. Ooh. Oh, that's <laughs> great. They both, they're both goth as hell. And um, I like that. I like that. I like that match. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, like what is the editorial process like for you guys in terms of working with the creators? Um, you know, I, I know that with the particular kind of political content you have, things like representing information accurately, you know, really matters with health issues as well. And, um, yeah, like how do you guys handle the content from an editorial standpoint when it comes to both the creative process and also things like accuracy and sensitivity and things like that? Hmm. We've been very, very, very careful with how we approach each story where um, we've we've had the creators been sending us synopsis before we go into even a script, make sure that we don't have uh, – one of our biggest concerns was that we were going to get a lot of stories about, you know, very similar types. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing we've been really 
lucky with is all of the creators have been very sensitive to that and some of the the nature of these stories has reflected that we're not seeing anyone take too much creative license with the facts. It's been, you know, for uh, October Chrisari's, and I'm butchering her last name, story, you know, she sent us detailed, you know, sources. A lot, we've seen that with a lot of detailed, a lot of detail, a lot of sources, people showing us where they're getting their information, and I feel like we've we've been, we've lucked out. This has been a very very lucky process. That's cool though. People are like out, like straight up just like documenting sources and sending that to you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we we had some of that. We'd have um, people also have been very open about asking us for information. So we've had multiple yes. contributors mm-hmm. be like, "I want to do this story. Do you have any information on this?" Uh, Planned Parenthood did provide us with. You know, a bunch of easy-to-send condensed sort of pamphlet-like PDFs uh, on some information. Some of it I had to, you know, Google and just do some research myself before sending the information off. Uh, one of our contributors is doing a story about, you know, HIV-AIDS screenings and when Planned Parenthood started doing that. So I, I did some research on that for them. Uh, just to make sure it was mm-hmm. all accurate. Um, we've also really been lucky in terms of having contributors who are sensitive about these issues beyond just what's on the page, but we've had a lot of, you know, contributors who, you know, are uh, cis-hat white guys or passing as such who have, you know, made it a point to pair with someone who isn't and, and things like that, which has also been helpful. Um, we've also had a lot of people make it very clear that, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, people are being represented in this book. So we have a lot of contributors who are on the same page as us with that. Uh, we have, you know, we really haven't had issues with, too many scripts in terms of, you know, people using, you know, language that would exclude a lot of people. A lot of it's very, you know, inclusive and and trans-inclusive and stuff like that, too. We, you know, we look at that stuff and we consider that when we're editing scripts. Um, You know, some of it, um, you know, like people referring to, you know, God or something like that and talking about their religion, like that's, you know, if that's the character and it's true to the character, you know, we've we've had a a couple of scripts. We've had a couple of scripts where it's like, you know, if that's true to the character and that's part of the story, um, as long as they're, you know, not using offensive language or anything like that, that's that's okay, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for the story. So... So, yeah, and we, yep. even then, we haven't had that much of that come up. No, and, I mean, it, we, Joe and I have had some some afternoons where we're sitting and discussing a story where we're going back and forth about it and kind of batting that ball back and forth, playing each other's devil's advocate, 
making sure that we're we're covering all the angles as best we can. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's, it sounds like, I mean, you guys have really have a, a really amazing team of folks you've put together, and that process looks like a really smart one. Have you guys participated in any anthologies like this before, whether it was for a nonprofit or just on your own? I, um, what was it? I've only written for some other anthologies. I was in um, Deeks Out Presents Power. Um, I, I did, uh, what was it, a... Uh, Margins uh, Publishing did uh, a digital zine. Um, Our hearts still beat after uh, Orlando, so mm-hmm. I, I wrote a short comic for that. And I also have a piece in This Nightmare Kills Fascists, which was successful on Kickstarter a couple months ago or so. And so I have a ten pager oh, in that, 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 that I'm really before? excited about. Um. What was it? It's all sort of like these like far left horror stories in the book. It, oh wow! I you know, that. So, so like this, it's really great. Um, my story is about fracking unleashing an ancient evil. I mean, it's totally accurate. That's not even it is a horror story. That's real. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And and there's a lot of incredible talent in that. That's an anthology that uh, Matt Miner and uh, Eric Kolecki put together. Um, oh wow, Matt's fabulous. So yeah, and Matt is fabulous. Both, uh, fine. Yes, we we browbeat oh, them yeah, both right. into being in this. I so. saw that one of the levels of one of the levels of sponsorship gets you some of the new Guar comics. In addition, correct. Y- yeah, and yeah. and Matt's doing his story with uh, Eric Donovan. So really excited Fabulous. about that one. Mm-hmm. And I also forgot, and I need to stress this pairing too, because we're all really proud of this one for the book, Gabby Rivera and Brittany Williams. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gabby Rivera, who's writing and, America, and is amazing, and Brittany Williams from the Hellcat run and from uh, Goldie Vance. Those are two really great comics. Yeah. And a shout out to Aria at geeks out. I'm not only shouting this out because I told her she should listen to this and I can quiz her later, but (laughs) um, she, she did help in terms of facilitating me getting in touch with uh, Brittany and, you know, which allowed for that pairing to happen when it did. So Thank you, Aria. Yeah, and Aria is also in the in the book. Yes, with uh, Marion oh, cool. Churchland. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Marion Churchland's art. That's the screensaver on my iPad that's currently malfunctioning for me. Um, some of the art <laughs> from ArcLight. Yeah, uh, we basically made this anthology for you. So <laughs> it's clear. I mean, I. I as someone who has used the services of Planned Parenthood and who also appreciates the creative combination of writers and artists that you've gathered together for this, I am particularly interested and excited in this graphic and this anthology that you've been putting together for me. Um, <laughs> We're glad we looking forward to purchasing it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, one of the questions I also wanted to ask is from the nonprofit side of things. Um, you know, I worked for an immigrant community organization until about a month or so ago when I started a new job running trainings for one of the big progressive training organizations. Um, And, uh, you know, after the election, we started to see 
different artists would just do the sort of pop up like, hey, I'm doing a, a playing a concert on Wednesday. All, all the proceeds are going to go to Make the Road New York. Or they would uh, Molly Crabapple made a T-shirt that you could buy. That's mm-hmm. amazing. You know, and that money was going to us. That was, you know, all of her volition. How did you guys go about approaching Planned Parenthood um, to partner on this? Because I know that there was a lot of different artist-led fundraisers coming to them, but um, but uh, this is sort of a bigger project. I'd love to know how it's been working with them and how did, how did you guys approach them? Because everybody wants more money, but there's also a certain amount of commitment and effort required on the nonprofit side to do this well. Yeah, with that, what what we originally wanted to do was a commercial co-venture. And what ended up happening was exactly what you're talking about. Like things got crazy. And because of the election, because it was all hands on deck and all of that, we ended up having to move to a logo agreement where they would not be as hands on, but we could still do the project which was, you know, what we really wanted to do. Uh We'd love to go back and do a commercial co-venture or something like that in the future when things calm down a little bit. But, you know, as long as we were able to make it very clear and work with Planned Parenthood in some capacity on this, you know, that was the important part. So we had to, you know, go with an agreement that wasn't quite as hands-on as we would have liked but still allows us to do the project. I I do want to say that I think this and, you know, like Love is Love, which is another anthology that raised funds, I think this is something that organizations should look at. It's a great way for people to share stories and facts that otherwise get lost in the shuffle. That I think when people see our, our book and see some of these touching stories, not just the historical stories of, of days gone by, but, you know, the firsthand experiences that some of our creators have, like Kelly Fernandez, it's one of those experiences that I think will shape will shape someone's thoughts and feelings about this organization, and I think other organizations could benefit from this. But it does take time and commitment, not just from the creators and the editorial side, but from the nonprofit themselves. And I think... Planned Parenthood really wanted to be more heavily involved, but we know our political climate has just made that impossible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard. I think a lot, some of the biggest ways that that artists can support nonprofits is to just move things forward on their own. Um, mm-hmm. Every time someone would tag Make the Road New York on Twitter, saying they were going to, you know, raise money for us by selling. Like somebody made like a beautiful piece of like handmade furniture. I was like, yeah, I'll retweet that. Thank you. Like I don't have anything to do with this. You made it. We'll retweet it. Thank you for giving us the money. Um, because managing the project really can be hard. But I think there would be really, it would be great for, you know, some of the small nonprofits that folks don't really know the names of, who might not have national names, but who have really important uh, missions to, think about partnering with artists to do fundraise to, to, to create products like that people can buy that benefit them and are and, and feature the artists work. But uh, I also don't think that nonprofits should be in the business of asking artists to work for free. Right. So do you guys have any thoughts about how do you navigate that? 
well, for this particular project, part of going through Kickstarter was so we could raise enough funds that we could cover paying some artists that might need it. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of people, you know, like Neil Gaiman doesn't need the money, but there are some struggling yeah. artists that wanted to be involved in this book. And by ra even though it's not much, by raising this money, we were at least able to have that as an option. And I think when dealing with books like this, if you're able to raise the money and offer something to contributors that need it, even if it's not much. Luckily, by doing it on Kickstarter, it's not taking away from the proceeds of the book sale. So all of That's those so can go. That's so cool. You know, so, so mm -hmm. yeah, so that's why, you know, we really, even though we hit goal, we really want some, you know, we really want to keep it going. I mean, you know, some of our contributors, you know, are not, you know, they're artists that live project to project. Yeah. And, and they're comic Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 That's fabulous. I'm glad that, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I found myself after the election, I, I'd always been telling nonprofit organizations that you should not ask folks to work, artificially artists to work for free because they're so marginal as it is. Um, and, you know, they're struggling to get by as badly as our organizations are. But then after the election, you know, all these artists were doing it of their own volition. And I felt like we would be dumb if we weren't putting it out there that, you know, that the immigrant community organization that I was working for could not just use like the money, but like could actually use art made by artists for our posters, our signs, things of that nature. So I sort of shifted the way I spoke about it publicly to say that not saying like, Hey, we're looking for you to come and do work for free. But I sort of put it at like artists, if you're looking for ways you can support an immigrant community organization, talk to me because I'd love to connect you with X, Y, Z. So that's sort of how I put it to make it seem like, I wasn't asking for free work, but that if people were looking for a way to get to um, to use their talents for the in, in, in the in the struggle for social change, um, that they could do that by talking to us. Exactly, right. it's it's one of those things that you know. I worked at a girl thing for a number of years, and I was always amazed with how many people would come out of the woodwork. That I Hello? I think I, I lost you there for a second. Mike, can, oh. you, are, oh. can you hear me? The way people with those skill sets to help. Oh, there sorry, Tina, we lost you, like, right in the middle of your sentence. Hello? You're still... No... Yes, I can hear you now. Okay. So what I was saying was this is a great way for people who can't afford to help to use those skill sets to help, you know, and, and be a part of this resistance that we've we've started out of necessity. Yeah. You know, I, I, people definitely – you know, are looking for or for creative ways to to use their talents. One of the things that I think would be cool for you guys coming out of the project is, I know that having really well illustrated social media content 
is really valuable for nonprofit organizations. It would be cool if Planned Parenthood was able to use, if there was like individual panels or something along those lines in their own social media resources from the comic after it launches. That would be really cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we, we just want to make sure all the creators still own the rights to all of their, you know, creations. But, yeah, there there's certainly some people we'd be able to work something out with, which would be good. Oh, that's a good point, too. That's a good point, too, the creative rights. Well, I you know, you guys are really close to making your Kickstarter. Um, or have you made it by now? Like earlier today, it looked like you were super close. Yes, we've we've uh, we're actually about to break through one hundred and three percent. That's amazing. Um, do you have any tips for folks who want to do Kickstarters for progressive causes, nonprofits, and stuff like that for, um, in the comics medium or in the other arts? Since you guys have now have had a successful Kickstarter, congratulations! Thank you. Thanks. Um, be really sure you want to do a Kickstarter because it's a lot of work. It's a, and write a lot of tweets. Twitter is a, an amazing resource if you use it correctly and use it a lot. Yeah, and there are different sites where you can, you know, preload tweets and all of that. So you're definitely going to want to you know, schedule things in advance. Um, you want to get your ducks in a row. You want to have, um, you have to have something uh, in terms of some finished art and all of that available for people to look at. A high quality video helps and keep it under three minutes. Um, and a, having a, a all, big shout out to yeah. Burning Camera Productions who edited together <laughs> this video for us. Yes, and um, also um, press hits. You, you know, you have to start reaching out in advance and figuring that stuff out early so you can have press and interviews lined up early on because you don't want to launch it and then ask for people. You have to have things going right from, you know, weeks beforehand. Yeah. Those are great tips. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. So I actually didn't do the normal thing at the start of the show that Brett's always so good about, which is asking you guys how each of you got into comics in the first place. But I'd be very curious to hear that now. Well, technically I'm not in comics. I got involved with Comic Mix actually through a site that I started with a friend of mine, Andrea, called Intergeek Here, where we wrote about pop culture and geek culture, as, as we called it. It was, uh, we got, we got it, we started the site because we'd gone to San Diego Comic Con and we'd gone to the end of the con Buffy musical sing-along and I was watching everyone scream horrible things at Dawn, the character. And yes, Dawn's not the best character, but the things people were saying, I just decided yeah. it was inappropriate. And I wanted to tell mm-hmm. the world that I thought it was inappropriate. So I convinced Andrea to start a website with me, um, also with my friend Rick. And 
it kind of just snowballed in, from there. So, But I've actually um, never published a comic. I've just written about them and judged other people about them. Oh, yeah. So, so you that's edited my comic. Yeah. Yes. I've edited, um, but, you know, I've edited a comic. I've edited Joe's mm-hmm. uh, comic along with Robbie Barrett, Saturn's Call. I've uh, edited issue two, which will be coming out shortly. Yeah. Oh, who's the publisher on that? Oh, I'm, I'm self-publishing it for now, but we're shopping it around. Cool. So is it on Comixology, or how do we pick it up? Well, we're we're going to put it up on all of that soon. We just want to get it finished, the, the second issue with Robbie, and then we're going to start getting it out there. But um, we got written up in Sci-Fi Wire from someone picking it up at FlameCon, so that was really cool. Oh, wow. So tell me more. What is this comic? It's a bunch of uh, queer kids that find out that they have strange powers that they can't control. You know, they, they're really trying to figure themselves out, and they all end up coming together basically to protect themselves. And it's and what's cutesy, it called adorable. Saturn's Call. Uh, Robbie Barrett has a very sort of cute, adventure-timey type style with watercolors, and it's great. And he hand draws and hand watercolors everything because he's insane. <laughs> but yeah, that no, it's like great. It's I'll, I'll hook you hit. up with the. I'll I'll hook you up with the first issue. I'll I'll send it to you. Oh, thank you so much. But I was also just going to say, like, even if you hadn't edited that comic, being a comics critic absolutely counts. So I'd love to know, like, what got <laughs> you into comics in the first place? Actually, you know, growing up, I read a lot of Archie. But I don't think I really got into comics until Buffy actually came out in season eight in comics. That's what got me into a comic book store. And from there, I, I, was, I just kind of delved in as I found things. But I, I grew up very much a reader. My mother was a librarian. So I was always reading. I would, I would turn around and read and read and read and read and then read some more. So it was a natural evolution for me as a reader, not just to read prose, but to read comics. Even now I jump between the two. I read, I, I'm always reading something, but I, you know, I, coming in as a, as a later comics fan, it was, I, I definitely gravitated more to indie comics than to say DC and Marvel because of that entire slog of, Back history that you have to get through in order to really be a, a, a hardcore fan, so to speak. But uh, so wait, so mm-hmm. so making sure so you were a Buffy fan, and you and you were like, oh my gosh, there's going to be another season of Buffy, but it's in comics form. I better go to the comic store. Is that an accurate? Yep, summary. Definitely. I am so. Yep, Buffy was my I gateway. I thought there'd be like a million of you. I thought that there would be a million of you, and I haven't met that many. And so I'm really glad to know that that was your path into comics because I just would have thought that that would have been a much bigger inroad in the, for folks. It seemed like a perfect setup. There were definitely a lot of us. Um, I know a few uh, other people who, like me, went to comics or back to comics. For Buffy, I mean, growing up, I, I mean, I read Archie. I read... Little Lulu and I read Too Much Coffee Man, which as <laughs> you know, as disconnected as those two sound, 
I'm talking over the span of 20 some odd years. So there was definitely a point where it was appropriate for me to be reading too much coffee, man. (laughs) But Buffy, yeah, Buffy brought me into the comic book store. Whereas Archie, you could get at a newsstand and too much coffee, man, you can find in bookstores. Buffy brought me Mm -hmm. into a comic book store, brought me into a muck time on Long Island. I still love those guys. I wrote an ode to them when I finally moved off Long Island. Hmm. So they're my comic book shop, even though I don't go there very often. They're a legendary also, one. I have not been, and I really should. I, I, I go to Long Island a fair amount because my in-laws like all live there, all 80 of them. And I have not been, and I really <laughs> I really should go to that store. It's quite legendary. Go, 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 go. Yep, that, that and Fourth <laughs> World. I love Fourth World. But um, mm. also Shannon Wheeler is in mine. Too much yes, coffee, Shannon man. Shannon Wheeler is, is in mine. It. Yes. Yeah, so some of this book is really just us being like, oh, my God, let's see if we person will say yes. Let's see if this person will say yes. Like, we cornered Cliff Chiang at one con, and he said yes. And then when I saw him again at Book Expo America, he was tab- he was at a table with Brian Azzarello, and he just turned to him and goes, hey, you want to you wanna do this with me? And Brian goes, yeah. And that's how we got Brian Azzarello. And I was just like, yeah. just like what? <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of that. I mean, Gabby Rivera's in the book because I desperately wanted Gabby Rivera to be in the book. Um, the, uh, Rachel Pollock was one of the first people I asked um, to be in this book because I absolutely adore Rachel and she mm-hmm. needs to be in more comics. So, yeah. I mean, I I curate, you know, I helped to curate uh, some Doom Patrol people like Rachel Pollock and uh, Tom Payer and... Um, you know, Richard Case was in early, you know, obviously Gerard Way. So, like, there's – so I'm happy with all these, these Doom Patrol people, but, like, I really wanted Rachel in this book and made sure she was in this book. Um, I wanted Caitlin Arkiernan in the book and spent, you know, a good amount of time figuring that out and talking with her and, and getting her on board. So, so yeah, um, a lot of it was also just, like, we want these people in it. That's what we're going to do. And some of it was luck. I mean, we we ended up being on a panel at Icon with Alicia Martinez, and now she's in the book. Um, she is so with, fabulous. I, I feel like she's one of those talents, and I've heard this on the show, who just, like, people don't recognize that they've seen so much of her work and how, like, just, like, classic her style is. Yeah. yeah, no, she's she's fantastic. Uh, you know, we have uh, T. Franklin in the book, um, <laughs> who, you know, is big off, you know, bingo love and being in love is love and all mm-hmm. of that. And she, you know, is also someone we have to give a shout out to because very early on she wanted to be in the book. And very early on she um, was like, let me talk to you know, other women of color and, you know, people about being in this book and have you talked to this person? Have you talked to this person? Do you need me to reach out to this person? She she, she was very helpful and, you know, really have to give her props for, you know, wanting to help us and wanting to make the book as good as it could be. Cool. And then, like, uh, we lucked into Barbara Brandon Croft, who's, uh, the first nationally syndicated African-American female cartoonist. 
ever. Yeah. And her father um, created Luther. But mm-hmm. we went to a an exhibit she curated about her father, and she just happened to be there. We went, we walked in randomly on the last day, and now she's in the book. So it was, some of this was just pure. That was a pure luck. We walked in at the right time. So it's been a it's been a crazy experience. <laughs> Well, I I just like think this is going to be a amazing amazing anthology with the talent that you assembled and the pairings that you guys have done with the the talent there and obviously for this cause as well. And you know, I know that there's people who are who I know who will pick it up for the Planned Parenthood side of it who might not have really read comics before. So I think it's something where both the comics reading public and the nonprofit world can really gain a lot from each other. Yeah, definitely. And there's there's enough names that are either outside of comics or known beyond comics that I think will help, you know, catch the eye and stuff like that. Like, I also love that Frank Conniff from Mystery Science Theater 3000 is in this. So, you know, stuff like that. Yuri Lowenthal, Amber Benson, yeah. Mara Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So how can folks go and support the Kickstarter Tell them where to go right now. Go to kickstarter.com and type in mine Planned Parenthood and you will get right to our page. We're, this Kickstarter is going until 11 p.m. EST on Friday, September 15th. So you have plenty of time to go and back. We still have some of our limited rewards, um, including rewards from Matt Miner, Eric Palicki, a limited edition Kickstarter exclusive print from Mark Wheatley. Um, We're actually out of the uh, mm-hmm. Eric ones now. Oh, the Eric one is gone. Okay, that happened most very the, recently. The Eric one's gone, and the Mags one is gone. <laughs> yeah, oh, the Mags Adagio um, one flew. We still have um, some digital commissions from Jude Vigans. Yeah, so if you want a yeah, digital so commission, have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's plenty of book plates, and, um, you know, there's an unlimited amount of books signed by us. Yes, yes. If you want um, our autographs, which I still am surprised by, we are willing to sign book plates from here to the end of time. (laughs) Yeah, so, so we have all of that. Also, follow Comic Mix on Facebook and Twitter, where we are constantly telling people about mine. So there's absolutely no way that if you follow us on Twitter that you won't be handed a link to the Kickstarter. Yes, that is very true. (laughs) (laughs) Even at three in the morning. Yes, we are tweeting 24-7. And how can... And I feel like there was some reference on the Kickstarter page, and I might be mistaken, about how to help make sure that this book ends up in your local libraries so that other folks who really need it can have access. Yes, one of our reward levels is uh, mine for you and mine for a library. So if you back at that level, we will send a copy of this book to a library. Now, like I said, my mother's librarian, Joe's mother also works in a library, and it's something that is very important to us to make sure that this book gets other places. 
And one of the libraries we want to donate to is definitely the Library of Congress, so it's going to be around forever. <laughs> That's very cool. And I think one of your donation levels also meant you could send one to a member of the state of the Senate. Yes, we have uh, donation levels to – you can send one to your – we'll send one to your congressman. We'll send one to your representative, your senator. And so people, especially in red states, you know, we're, we'll, if you back it, we'll send 20 copies to Paul Ryan if that's what you want. <laughs> so, you know, 20, 100, 3,000, your choice. <laughs> They have to. They have to pledge that amount of books. Yes. But yeah. yes. Uh, so back that level, and we'll send them. That's really cool, guys. Well, thank you for joining us on the show again. And can you just let our folks who are listening um, find out where they can find you all online? On Twitter. Oh. So. Yeah, so you can follow Comic Mix at Comic Mix, C-O-M-I-C-M-I-X. If you want to follow me, I'm Wilder Owens on Twitter. You can also follow me at IGH Insider, which is the Insert Geek here Twitter. And Joe? Cool. Is, yes, um, also, also like Comic Mix on Facebook. Um, yes, like Comic Mix on Facebook. I'm just Joe Corallo on Twitter. Um, I also um, write occasionally for um, IGH, so you can also find some of my stuff there. Um, I also write for Geeks Out, uh, so also follow Geeks Out on Twitter and Facebook, and also Geek.com. I, I usually write at least a few pieces a month, so also follow Geek.com. And Joe and well, I both have columns every week. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, as you show columns every week at Comics Mix? Yes, we're also columnists columnist at Comic Mix. Uh, Joe, Joe's column goes up on Tuesdays and mine goes up on Wednesdays. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks, you guys. I appreciate your joining us, and I'm looking forward to reading this myself and checking out Saturn's – one more time? Saturn's Call. Saturn's Call. Saturn's Call as well as mine, of course, as soon as I'm able to get my hands on a new copy of it. So so thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll get to have you guys on again with a different awesome project sometime in the future. And I'm um, looking forward to being able to get my hands on a copy of, your, of, of mine and, and announcing really loudly that it's mine and then sharing it with other people too. Great. Great. Thank you thank so you much. I really us. appreciate it. Yep. Good night. And for our listeners, <laughs> and for our listeners, um, if you came on late to the show, uh, you can listen to the whole podcast from the beginning on our website, graphicpolicy.com. It'll be loaded up on our iTunes in a couple hours. It'll be on SoundCloud and Stitcher, um, and it also we'll also be able to get the whole podcast online on at graphicpolicy.com. You can find me online all the time at Elana, E-L-A-N-A, underscore Brooklyn on Twitter is my Twitter handle. Tweeting far too often. Graphic Policy is on Twitter too, Graphic Policy. And we'll be back next week. I think next week we're going to be covering Defenders. Uh, It'll be a a, a spoilers-free episode. We'll just be covering the first half of the season. Um, and, uh, And thank you for everyone who was patient with us during our brief August hiatus. But we are back in black. 
and we are really appreciative of your, uh, of your listenership and all your support, and we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Um, again, uh, Graphic Policy Radio at graphicpolicy.com is our website. The whole podcast will be there, ready to go whenever you guys are ready. See you next week. <laughs>